0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowich Carmeli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770.
1: Every time it rains, it rains. Pennies. Don't you know it's cloud-contained... Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, My co-host here, Dave Popovich. How are you doing, buddy? I'm terrific.
0: Um, feeling a little bit better. Uh, people are feeling a little bit better about the uh, the week that was. Yeah. We actually had uh, a bit of a winning streak to start the year here, and that's, uh, that's good news. A bit of uh, perhaps a reprieve on some of the fears around the U.S. Fed and their interest rate policy. Bank of Canada also taking a little more cautious tone around that. Um, who knows? I mean, are we making progress on China-U.S.
1: trade? Yeah, I tell you, the markets are saying that we're improving. The economy is still trucking along, but people are opening up their December end statements right now, my friend, and they're yep. not—they're not too happy.
0: We had a lot of volatility in December. You we know, had a lot of volatility in the last quarter.
1: People, are, and I'm getting more and more calls from listeners, from uh, people who know about us or have heard about us, who've seen our 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 our, uh, our posts and so forth on social media, have come out to us and say, "I want to sit down and chat with you. I'm concerned." Uh, More and more people are worried. Um, And and this is, I think, as you open up your December end statements, as you start to see the rates of return and you start thinking about your retirement and you think maybe I lost so much money or so forth, it's the stress level has gone up. Yeah, well, we
0: we definitely have have seen that, right? And you've got this bit of a reprieve um, this week, but the stress really peaked last year. And in fact, it's interesting because I I had um, one of our team members do some research for me because... I've had an interesting week of conversations, a bit of a trend okay, okay? Um, and I'll summarize it like this so so that fear that uh, that you're talking about, the emotional reaction to if you're a market watcher causes people to make decisions right? We've talked about this before yeah um, and in some cases it causes people to um, to get say out of equity markets, go to cash, whatever the case may be, but to make decisions, okay. Um, And a conversation or a series of conversations I've had this week, I have framed it like this with clients. Okay. So it's a gut check, right? So if you were distinctly uncomfortable with the experience you had in the past quarter, and we accept that volatility has gone back up, here are our options. What we need to do is we need to figure out um, the strategy that will provide a level of volatility, okay, up and down, more on the downside, that you're comfortable with, that you can satisfy and tolerate yep. tolerate right that will keep you fully invested in the market okay keep you fully invested in your strategy in the in, sorry yeah, in your not stra- the market not the just market. invest in, in your strategy, strategy yep. okay yep. and and here's some research just to frame this conversation we'll
1: bring it, go, go a bit more detail because okay. if someone is not comfortable with any type of drop in their portfolio right then the solution is pretty easy well so yeah let's exactly but here, here's, before you give the solution, okay,
0: <laughs> I want to talk about the process because even do-it-yourselfers, whoever it is, right, when you're thinking about this,
2: Everybody's
1: everybody. checking if this portfolio is right for them. Right. Everybody's looking at their statements going, hang on, am I in the right stuff? Right. I even posted on my social media saying, you better start looking at your portfolio. Right. And seeing if this is right for you. Right. I'll tell you from an, a stock guy why I like this period in time. Okay. Because everybody is looking at their portfolio and some will say, whoa, whoa I can't take this anymore. Right. And so I'm going to cash in my chips, I'm going to sell my investments, and I'm going to get out, which could cause a rippling effect in the market. Yeah. Many individual investors are passively invested or invested in exchange-traded funds, right. which kind of just ripples through the market, which means a lot of mispricing is going to happen.
0: A lot of mispricing is happening now.
1: And guess who's buying right now? Yeah. This, There's always opportunity. It's institutional money managers, pension plans that are buying mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And the mom and pops out there are selling right yeah. now. Yeah. And so I, I think
0: this is this was a very interesting conversation, I think, enlightening for a lot of clients. The You've got to go back to the objectives. If you said, Faze, if I came and I said to you, I don't want any volatility. I can't take it. I can never see this portfolio go down in value. Is there a portfolio you could put together? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think investors need to stop And think about that level of volatility and do some math around it. I did some math for some clients about upside, downside. And then we did some asset allocation based on that. What can you take? Right. And you could, so you can figure out a portfolio to accomplish all of these different
1: things. However, yes. However, if the volatility and the lack of return that could happen, which means negative returns, if it happens in your portfolio, are you willing? To ride through that cycle. Okay. If you're not, then you have to look at alternatives. Correct. And if you are prepared to take a lower rate of return because of you want more secure investments, yep. there may, may be an impact on your retirement cash flow or income that you can receive. Right. Which means you may not receive any upside potential because you're locking in a lower guaranteed rate. You're getting a lower interest rate, but you may have to change your lifestyle. You may have to make some adjustments. And I would say make those adjustments. If you cannot tolerate volatility, adjust your lifestyle, which is more in your control than the stock market is in control. Yep. You have more control over your spending and your lifestyle than you do over anything that happens on the news. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, so solve for the problem, right? I want to give you some... So
0: we often have conversations with people about market timing, right? Well, we're just going to get out here. We're going to get back in there Thank and you. so on. Okay. So I, I, I've had our group do a little bit of research on this. and Okay. Uh, this is interesting. So um, 20 years. So this is data from Janu- January 20, 1st yeah. of 98 to... End of 2017.
1: So we're including the tech wreck. We're including yep. the, cr- the crash of 2008. We're including all of all the market volatility yep. between now and then. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so this this is uh, looking at the S&P 500, okay? Yep. Um, there's 5,036 trading days over that 20-year period. Got you. Okay. Had you stayed fully invested through that period just on the index, it was a 7.2% annualized rate of return.
1: That's the S&P 500 over the last 20 years. Correct. Gotcha. Okay.
0: So there's our, there's our benchmark. If you were... Um, if you missed, if you were out of the market, you made an emotion- emotional decision. If you were out of the market for the best five of the 5,036 trading days, the return you received plummeted by 45%. Okay. If you missed the best 10 days, you lost 67% of the total return wow. over that
1: 20 20- so your instead of period. a 7.2% return you're 3.53 3. 3 so half the return yeah over half the 67%. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, I can go a little bit deeper on that, but my point is 10 of 5,036 days. So if you're market timing if that's your strategy, you're going to have to
1: be very precise. You have to make every um, ups up day. Yeah. Or you have to avoid Eliminate every down, down day. day. Right. So and, you've got the down day deal. Do yeah. So if you invested in the S&P 500 over the last 20 years, you would have averaged seven point two percent. Yeah, if you if you did not invest on the worst five days, the biggest losses, you would have made nine point five two percent. Right. So really, you're increasing your rate of return by you know twenty eight percent gain overall, yeah. so seven to nine percent. Yep. Yeah. And. You have to be absolutely perfect. Well, go go with the ten because it's a big number too. Yeah, if you if you miss the the ten worst days, your rate of return would have been eleven percent. Rate of return. Right. So what what people are finding are looking for is someone, if they can't do it themselves, someone to catch all the good days and miss all the bad days. Right. And, and I I get why they're saying that because you just want that to happen. Right. But look at the probabilities of that happening. Exactly. And and I caution people when they're trying to find. Um, strategies or investment solutions to that problem. I'll just yeah. time it perfectly for you. It takes me back to
0: the conversation I had this week. you got to find the strategy that allows you to stay fully invested because... I maybe there is somebody. I'm just saying I don't know anybody there ever isn't, there isn't that anybody. is so precise they can find the ten best and ten worst days in a there there is in a an, year. There okay, 10. listen, we got to um, uh, wrap this segment up, but uh, we're going to have a uh, seminar coming up. Unfortunately, our January we actually put on a second session in January. They're both completely full, so we're talking about February and March. We want to invite everybody out to those seminars. Yes, yeah,
1: February 19th in Oakridge uh, Crowfoot, uh, Oakridge Co-op Wine Spirits and Beer, Crowfoot on March 26th. Please give us a, a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400 to reserve now because they're filling up. Or you can go online to register at morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: If you're tired of the market volatility in the stock markets, can you make money in the bond markets in 2019? Stick around after the break and we'll talk about that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money here with Dave and Faisal. Faisal, we had a really interesting uh, period Last year, in fact, you know, if you look at a heat map of different asset classes in 2018, uh, many people would be surprised to see that certainly at at least at some point during the year,
1: all asset classes were falling. Yeah, so there was nowhere you could make money. Maybe cash you could have held, but everything cash else, cash or right? GICs, yeah. that type of investment right. would have given you a positive return. Pretty much nothing else out there, from the indexes to um, I, you know, made money. So it was, it was a very challenging 2018.
0: It was challenging. Not, not particularly rewarded for, um, for diversification. Often diversification, when people think about that, they think about how much uh, if, of their portfolio is allocated towards stocks and how much is allocated towards bonds, and those typically will offset themselves. It uh, didn't necessarily happen through, uh, through 2018, and we've got Chuck Holmes here, who's an associate portfolio manager, regular recurring guest for us. He's with Manulife Investments. Chuck, welcome back to the show.
3: Thank you, guys, for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: All right, my friend, you need to make sense of this. What what happened in twenty eighteen We had a maybe. Just give us a quick review. And there were certainly periods where where uh, bond investors were not being protected. At the same time that their stock portfolios were falling.
3: Yeah, twenty eighteen was definitely a year. We felt it was definitely a year. You were going to see a uh, increase in volatility across many different asset classes, mainly driven by a main inflection point being central bank policy and what i mean by that it's not just north american central bank policy it was global central bank policy where after a decade plus after the financial crisis you had all central banks leaning in the same direction taking unprecedented actions to try to spur growth and inflation through zero yields negative yields in some instances as well as quantitative easing that drove a ton of liquidity into the markets that drove high quality assets down as well as risk assets up. So high quality assets performing very well, driving high quality yields. So government bond yields in many different um, government bonds around the world, down to historic lows, and helped um, create a risk on environment. The year reason why last year was a big year, it was finally the time where you started to see economic data getting to the point, where central banks in many different areas around the world were looking at starting to move more towards normalization. You had the Fed as well as the Bank of Canada continuing to hike rates over the course of the year. Uh, You had the Federal Reserve of the U.S. also um, kind of tweaking their balance sheet and reducing their balance sheet even more. And you had the ECB looking to step away from quantitative easing, as well as another major central bank, Bank of Japan, looking at tweaking their yield curve control policy, all being that this very accommodative stance that global central banks were taking was starting to shift into more of a normalization type of environment. So that created a lot of uncertainty where you no longer had the massive Move from central banks continuing to be that backstop to looking at more of an environment where there would be volatility surrounding economic data, expectations of what central banks are going to be doing going forward, et cetera. And that's why we felt you would see volatility. And we did see that depending on central bank um, presidents' tones, whether it was from the Federal Reserve, whether it was from the Bank of Canada. Whether it was from other major central banks, you did see times of volatility surrounding that. And also, you had the market which got very, um, very, I, I don't want to say uh, very over aggressive in terms of expectations, but they felt economic data was going to continue to do very, very well, potentially accelerate even forward. Right. And what you saw was kind of, a little bit of a step back and the market took it as in some ways more of a negative reaction even though economic data from a trend perspective is not growing as fast from so it did come down from very elevated levels but you did see a correction in the market that was pretty aggressive at times
1: yeah. so chuck what do you what do you see for 2019 knowing that we've gone through all this Volatility—it surprised a lot of people. Many investors haven't seen this type of volatility in quite some time, or in their investing life, in, or in their investing frankly. life That's because right. they might have missed 2008 or yeah. they might have missed you know those, mm-hmm. those big drops. Um, so what's what's the what's the the thought process of 2019?
3: 2019, we feel much more um, comfortable about the view. With that said, do we do need to be mindful of some of the risks that are still out there? Whether it's trade war risks whether it's what is the uh, risk surrounding the potential next recession happening sooner rather than later. Our base case is that 2019 will still be a pretty good year overall. We don't see defaults really picking up. We see economic data in the U.S. as well as in Canada continuing to grind along, albeit it won't be as high as expectations were last year, but arguably you could say that some of those expectations were too, uh, too Optimistic, elevated, and yeah. probably needed to be yeah needed to be readjusted. So net net, we feel you will see a continuation of a fair, fairly strong underlying economic backdrop for not only North American economy but also outside of North America. Where we do feel there is a good probability of continuing to get a um, a better path towards a trade agreement what will that trade agreement be? There's still uncertainty around that, but we do feel that will continue on. And when we look at the underlying economic data and the prospects for economic data on a global basis, we do see some attractive opportunities in select emerging markets. So there are still some opportunities. We feel it's going to continue to grind along. With that said, overall, though, you do need to be mindful of the fact that we are closer to the end of the current cycle than the beginning. So very simplistically in our view, that means you wanna take less risk now than you did at the very beginning of the cycle. So you just need to be more selective and really be mindful of exactly what risks you're taking. We don't feel right now is necessarily the time to have as much risk in your portfolio as say 2009 and 10 when you were at the very beginning of the cycle. That said, we don't feel right now is necessarily a time where you're going to see a recession happen in the next six months or so. So kind of striking that balance is very important 2019.
1: Chuck, I think one thing that the bond market does is give us better indication of what the economy really is versus mm-hmm. the stock market. Most people are talking about the stock market because it's a bit more sexier, it gets more attention. <laughs> the bond yep. market doesn't uh, get as much attention until things Uh, you know what hits the fan. So in your view, what are the biggest concerns you have in the bond market or the fixed income market that people should be aware of that might translate to the economy either here in Canada or globally?
3: Some of the biggest things would definitely be a, a massive down move in terms of economic data's strength. So economic growth really pushing downward. But on the flip side, also a thing we're monitoring is a massive acceleration in economic data or a massive acceleration in inflationary pressures Um, that would be a negative as well so right now we don't see either of those as a very high probability we see the current situation as one where it is somewhat of a goldilocks scenario where it's neither too hot or too cold And that is a scenario we feel very comfortable in at this point in time where market expectations for the Federal Reserve that isn't as much of a risk as it was at the beginning of 2018 or even the market expectations for the Bank of Canada or outside of North America, they're more in line, which we would argue is more in line with what we would see as fair value. So we don't necessarily see a huge risk of a massive up move in yields, which for fixed income would be a negative. Um, But also, if you did see central banks have to hike rates a lot faster than expected because of inflationary pressures, then that would be um, pretty difficult for the equity markets going forward as well. Uh, So overall, we see it as the risks are fairly balanced, but some of the things we are monitoring are any significant changes in terms of the view for economic data either massively accelerating, causing inflationary pressures, or more importantly, starting to trend downward aggressively. And that's because when you look at some areas of the fixed income markets, you're looking at in the corporate credit space, while we see defaults being low for the next 12 months, we see um, the growth story overall continuing to be trending in a stronger fashion, albeit a little bit slower than first expected, but still trending in a good direction. Uh, We do need to be mindful of the fact that there is a lot of leverage on a lot of corporate balance sheets, and we want to make sure that we don't see deterioration in the underlying fundamentals of the corporate credits we have because there is some significant risk in certain areas of the corporate credit market that we want to make sure we are protecting against because, as always for us, we're always focused on capital preservation first, total return second. So being able to miss some of those downturns in some troubled areas, we feel will be very important.
0: Chuck, in 30 seconds or less, I know you're not going to be able to do it justice, but um, investors sort of flat to slightly negative last year year on bonds. That doesn't generally happen two years in a row. Cash outperforming bonds. What's your forecast, cash to bonds, uh, this year?
3: Yeah, so our forecast this year, definitely higher than last year. We don't see... Um, areas that are definitely going to be in the clear. There is some risk, as I mentioned, but when we look at our portfolio, we feel very comfortable saying 3 to 5% return net of fees is definitely doable, and cat- that should outperform cash by a decent amount um, north of 100 basis points uh, over the course of the year, we feel comfortable saying uh, is definitely doable and feel much more confident about saying that today than we did with a lower return profile last year
0: we got to let you go on that point, Chuck. Thanks for the good news, and thanks for the insightful
3: analysis. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Chuck Tomes, Associate Portfolio Manager, Manulife Investments. My friend, we're going to talk about how to uh, take income out of your portfolio and protect Profit and Protect in Retirement at our upcoming seminar. Now, our next upcoming seminar, January 22nd, unfortunately, we put on a second event, and it's full as well. So, unfortunately, we're fully booked. Why don't you give uh, some insight as to when we can get people registered?
1: Yeah, so if you want to come to one of our sessions now, you'll have to come in February or March, February 19th or March 26th. You can register by giving us a call, 966-8400, 966-8400, or go online to register by going to morethanmoneyradio.com for our February and March Sessions. All
0: right, join us after the break. We're going to talk a little bit about how to create diversification and how diversification is different than passive investing. You're on 770CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770CHQR and More Than Money. Um, you know, we've got an interesting. Uh, Faisal, we've got it. It's 20, <laughs> the, the markets have been very, very interesting. Um, and we often have a conversation about how to build. Um, uh, portfolios, from a diversification perspective, and so on and so forth. We've got a terrific guest today to help us understand a little bit about diversification. We're going to mix in a bit of conversation about exchange-traded funds, what they are, how they behave, and and some of the differences in all of that. I'm going to welcome to the show uh, Francis Verpiuk, who is the Managing Director of Tobam, uh, which is really a McKinsey investment product in Canada. Um, welcome to the show, Francis, and thanks for joining us from New York. Yep, thanks for having me. Well, let's uh, let's maybe just start right off the bat with uh, with a very open-ended question, which is, what do you expect from the markets? What do you expect them to look like in 2019?
4: Yes. So Tobam is probably the, in a way, I could say the worst the worst company to ask questions like that, uh, because at Tobam uh, we have a bit of a different uh, approach, is uh, that we focus uh, only on diversification, because we have realized, uh, or the founder of the company has realized that it's actually difficult to forecast the future. Uh, so this is why uh, when, when he created the company, he realized that indeed forecasting is forecasting is difficult. It's a difficult thing to do. And that hence probably diversification could be a good, it's, it's really the rational thing to do when you cannot forecast the future probably. Being diversified uh, makes a lot of sense. But the problem, especially for him, because the founder of the company is a mathematician, is that very quickly he also realized that diversification is not very well defined. All of us, we talk about diversification, but it's not very well defined what exactly it is. So what is it that Yves shofati who is the founder of the company, uh, has invented? It's a formula uh, that you can use to calculate exactly how diversified the portfolio is. Uh, so we can take any equity portfolio, fixed income portfolio for that matter, and we can calculate exactly how diversified this portfolio is, uh, which also means that if you have this measure, of diversification, this formula, that we can use that formula to build the most diverse portfolio in any given uh, universe, uh, because this is the portfolio you should buy when you cannot forecast the future, you should be uh, diversified. Uh, So I can link that to what do I expect the market in 2019. Still, uh, I can talk about that because I'm going to assume Uh, That when you ask me the market, that really, many people's mind, the market is represented by the benchmark, eh, which is true, typically in Canada. Sorry. That's correct. Yeah, keep on Yeah. uh, So typically in Canada, you when people say Canadian equities, uh, really what they mean is a TSX. When people talk about U.S. equities, they really mean the S&P 500. uh, So we can still take a closer look at the market and, and, and check what has happened in the past and what could happen. Uh, in, in the future. Uh, so, for example, if we take a look at U.S. equities, uh, in, and it's also very important to, to understand that the market, or the benchmark, uh, which is kind of the same, mm-hmm. is not diversified. It's typically biased to certain things. Uh, for example, in the U.S., uh, most of uh, most of us know that the U.S. equities are extremely biased. That the S&P 500 is extremely biased to IT companies. Mm-hmm. And we have seen, indeed, the last uh, couple of years that IT companies have outperformed all the others. Uh, But it's also very important to understand how the benchmark works. Uh, As soon as the benchmark, in a way, has implemented the winning bet, uh, the benchmark will increase the size of the bet. Uh, When the S&P 500 is usually biased to IT companies and IT companies outperform all the others, the weight of IT companies in the benchmark will now be bigger than it was a year ago. A very uh, easy example uh, that I very often use uh, when I talk to people in Canada is, of course, the most famous stock in Canada that was, uh, was BlackBerry or Research in Motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine that at some point in time in the past, BlackBerry was at 100 Canadian dollars, and that day, it represented 2% of the TSX. Right. Now, let's imagine that overnight, BlackBerry doubles in price, and all the other stocks of the TSX remain the same. So BlackBerry is now $200. It's now twice as expensive as it was yesterday. And so if all the other stocks remain the same, the TSX will now hold what? 4% of right. BlackBerry. And so this, uh, something goes up that becomes bigger and bigger in the market. So if we think about the 2019, if you're going to ask me what you think about 2019 in U.S. equities, I say we have no forecast on our own. This is why we have chosen to diversify. However, the market is very biased to IT companies. So what is the major factor if you're going to look at U.S. equities for next year or this year we are already in 2019? It is to check or to think about Will do you expect IT companies to continue to outperform all the others? This is really the main question you need to ask yourself when you're going to buy the market, when you're going to buy the S&P 500 in the U.S. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's a passive and, and, way of investing, right, Francis? That's When people talk about just buying and holding or investing in passive exchange-traded funds, they're just buying the index, and that's the, the problem also. What comes out of it is is that they're going to be owning that type of a market. There is no diversification within that that market or that country or that region Uh, because it's purely market-weighted as you described earlier, correct?
4: Yes. Uh, A different way to describe market-weighted is people often say it's passive. A different way to describe what is passive is to say you don't do anything, because when you are passive, you really say, I'm not going to do anything, because Mm -hmm. this is exactly what it means to be passive. So now what happens when you're passive? You're going to drift with the price. Imagine that you have a portfolio of of stocks. You have your own equity portfolio. And you have decided that as of now, you will never ever trade that portfolio again. What is going to happen with this portfolio? It's going to drift with the price because you have chosen to become passive. When you drift with the price, guess what? You will be more and more exposed to what becomes expensive and less and less exposed to what becomes cheap. And this is really what happens when you buy the benchmark because the benchmark never buys or sells anything. It simply has BlackBerry and then BlackBerry goes up and it has. you will have more and more of BlackBerry until when? Until BlackBerry reached its peak. Right. And that day, it it goes it, down. BlackBerry had the, was, the, was the biggest weight in the TSX. Uh, so this is what I'm saying. When you're going to look to the future and you have decided to buy the market through the benchmark, uh, which is typically what people do, you will have to check what is this market really. Uh, in the U.S. it's about IT companies. In global equities... It's about the U.S. If you you buy global developed equities, you you will have a huge bias to U.S. equities. Why? Because U.S. equities over the last uh, nine years, the last five years, nine years, have outperformed the rest of the world. So five, six years ago, the the global equity market was about a little bit more than 50% of U.S., so I checked these numbers. Over the last five years, five year, the S&P 500 returned exactly 50%. Uh, so if you bought the S&P 500 five years ago and you didn't do anything, uh, you would have a 50% increase. If you had, you have bought the rest of the world, you would have exactly 1%. And this Obviously. is cumulative. I'm not saying annualized, 1%. So basically, the U.S. equities over the last five years – did 50%. The rest of the world basically did not move.
1: <laughs> That's interesting, though, so like when you, when you look what, at it that way. right? That's amazing how people have said that the markets have done well, and that they, they kind of broad-based word of markets. But if you were not investing in the U.S., you would have missed out. And it kind of tells you where the return has been. More importantly, where the risk may also be when things start to change.
4: Exactly. So this is my point. So what? What? what about 2019? I'm simply telling you and your listeners that if you, have, you would decide to buy the market of global equities uh, to a benchmark, let's say the MSCI world, which is very often used, the global equity benchmark. You will have a portfolio which today is 62% US equities. Right. Because US equities outperformed all the others for the last five, seven, nine years. Because of that, global equities are hugely biased to US, which means that if you are decide to buy global equities using uh, market cap weighted portfolios you are you are really bullish about the u s eh? don't tell me that you're going to buy a portfolio that has more than sixty uh, percent it is more than sixty percent invested in the u s if it is not that you expect the u s to do better than the rest of the world eh? you're never going to put sixty percent into something uh, if you're not bullish on that eh? so this is really the question you need to ask yourself. Is the U.S. in 2019 going to continue to outperform the rest of the world? And if you don't really know the answer to that question, you have two solutions. Uh, The first solution is to hire an active manager uh, who is going to forecast the future uh, for you. Now imagine that some part of your portfolio you do not want to base on forecasting because you realize that forecasting is a difficult thing to do. And then really your only rational alternative in that case is to be diversified and so this is the solution that we are trying to bring and this is probably why we have quite some success with institutional investors is that if you have if you would like to have a part of your portfolio not to based on a forecast we can help you with that because the benchmark does not help you with that and this is why very often we say that uh passive or that benchmarks uh, passive investing is one of the biggest confusions in our industry. Uh, people think that passive is neutral or passive is very biased. Right? Typically in Canada, people are very much aware about that. They, Canadians know that if they buy the TSX, that they will be hugely biased to energy and financials. But in Francis. the U.S., if you tell the average uh, U.S. investor that the S&P 500 yeah. is not diversified, you will say that is not true.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, in
4: reality, it's usually biased to IT companies, for
0: example, today. I like that. We're going to leave it on. We have to leave it on that. We've run out of time, but I like that, that definition of passive and the re, uh, reviewing what passive actually means and where those biases actually might uh, might lie. I want to thank you for taking some time with us today. Nope. Thank you. have been joined by Francis Frupuk, who's the Managing Director of McKenzie Investments, uh, representing uh, uh, Tobam uh, products in, uh, in New York, speaking to us from New York, excuse me. They're also available in Canada. Uh, my friend, we've got a seminar coming up before we wrap up. Um, but unfortunately, this seminar is fully booked, so we're really talking about February now and March.
1: Yeah, so we're going to be um, we're fully booked, as you mentioned for uh, for for January. We have uh, a session opening up on uh, um, February nineteenth and March twenty sixth. Now you need to reserve your seats because they, these are filling up quick. Uh, we want to educate everybody about these tra- about the transition to retirement. So take a look at our website, morethanmoneyradio.com, or give us a call, 966-8400, and you can book in for your next uh, uh, seminar to attend. Thank you.
0: Stay tuned after the break as we're going to talk about how does all of this tie into your retirement. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to More Than Money on 770 CHQR here with Dave and Faisal. Um, we talked at the sort of the top of the hour about some of the interesting conversations sort of related to you know, the volatility and the emotional decisions, but you've also had some interesting conversations about, um, about what retirement is. Why do you need to retire really was sort of the the
1: question. So let me tie all this whole show together about this, uh, why I want to talk about this piece. The first part we talked about, uh, we, we talked to, um, Tobin out of New York and they're saying, don't try to pick how the market's going to do in the future. Just diversify.
0: Or at least for a portion of your portfolio, just practice good diversification. That was the last
1: segment. And then in in, in the first half of the hour, we we talked to Manulife and they came out and gave their view of the fixed income world. And they said, you know, things will, is not recession at this point in time. So they're giving some sort of forecast. So you've got one group that doesn't forecast, one group that's giving out a forecast. Who the heck knows what's going to happen? People are going to, are worried. And I think the pressure for more and more people today is to quote unquote, retire. Right. I need to retire. I want to retire. How are we going to get there? And they're putting all the emphasis on something they cannot control. Right. So they're taking their, and I had a conversation with an individual, actually a couple. Um, the husband says to me, I have to retire, Faisal. Okay, why? Because I want to spend more time with my wife. Great. I looked over to the wife. That, that's fantastic. Beautiful. Yep. Not not too many men say that to me, so that's great. <laughs> um, and, and the wife goes, well, I don't want to retire. I actually want to stay working. I love what I do. Right. Okay. So then, what do you want to do then? Why do you, Why is it such a rush to retire? Well, I just I, I just want to do that. I want to spend more time with her. But but she's not spending more time with you. She's working. So
0: yeah, I was yeah. going to correct you a little bit because lots of men say that. The, 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 it scares the women though. Well, yeah. wait, wait, what?
1: Yeah, you want yeah. to spend twenty four seven with yeah, me? Yeah, I love no, you. No, no, hang not, on, not that much. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, so so the, the the problem was when he said to me, "Faisal, all I have to do is a ten percent rate of return in my portfolio, and I can retire." Right. And I said, "Well." Let's assume you can do that. The probabilities are so low of doing ten percent per year, but let's just assume you can do that on your own because he's a do-it-yourself investor. What are you going to do with your time? Right. Like, why do you? Ha- what's the rush to retire? Right. So I'm actually telling people don't retire. Think of it as a no longer of a retirement, but think of it as a financial independence that you have the right to choose at that point in time. There are many Canadians that are forced. To continue to work because they do are they do not have the ability to make that choice of retiring or right. doing anything else they want to do.
0: Yep. the goal is financial independence.
1: Yeah, it's and it's 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 frustrating me sometimes because I hear people they kind of just want to. It's kind of like they want to get to a destination. I just want to be there, right? Right, and if if my manager changes at the office, I'm retiring, right? But, or or they're they're pushing they, themselves into that. Yeah, or they feel they they have to work. Um, they
0: have to continue to work full time at the job that they're doing in order to get to that
1: destination of retirement. None of those things are necessarily true. It comes down to pure happiness. Right. I really believe that if you're not happy with what you're doing, then make a change. Right. But do not have something else like the markets or the economy be your reason why you have to do it. Or
0: or because other people are telling you you should. Right? Yeah. You're 67 now. Like, uh, you should be retired. What's the matter? Right there's nothing wrong. I just, I like what I'm doing. Like, like this gal said, I actually enjoy doing this. Yeah.
1: So I think the freedom to choose is worth more than the declaration of retirement. Yeah.
0: Well, if you think about, if you take out the the traditional definition of retirement, which has embedded in it, a lot of those biases we've just talked about and insert financial independence, then things change, right? Because you're, you you may be able to, let's say, in this particular case, this, this person was talking about needing a 10% rate of return. We know the historical probabilities of a compounded 10% average rate of return over a 10-year period are very low, okay? Um, so they are forced, if that is their only option, to take on a significant amount of risk in an environment where probably risk is, you know, as we've seen in the last quarter, uh, risk is back for sure. So If we take that out and we say, well, maybe I just don't want to work at this pace. Maybe I want to spend more time with my wife in the summers because she has some time off in the summer. And I look for something to fill a gap. I look for something that's fulfilling at work and keeps me engaged and out of trouble, yep. right? And it provides some, some income, perhaps not much as I was making before. There's all kinds of things that open up for and you. And
1: I think sometimes people jump to decisions about uh, or try to do things that they're not, it's not their expertise or right. they're not their, their forte, their strengths. I always say play to your strengths, don't play to your weaknesses. Right. Understand, by this time when you're getting to, to retirement, you know what you're good at. Right. You know it. You might as well bank on that, and, and I'll tell you, comparisons to every younger person out there, you got experience underneath your belt. Yep. And I've seen many individuals come to me and say, "Faisal, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own a business in retirement because I want flexibility." You don't have flexibility when you own a business. No, I don't know any any business owner says I hardly, I'm hardly there. Right,
0: I'm or, retired. Or if they've done that, it's because they're. The business is very successful. They've, They've got built it, and, it over the and
1: years. a very good management team in place. That's so right. I think what some people are trying to do, Dave, is they're they're trying to find something to fill in that happiness bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Could be, yeah. And they're they're either relying on other th- external forces, such as the markets, such as a business, to try to make them ha- feel happy. And and I'm I think people need to really look inside of themselves and say, is this what you want to do. Like, are you truly happy where you are right now? If not, what would you need to do to be happy? Yeah, and, and let's- And then let the numbers figure itself out. Right, and let's talk about Alberta
0: people. When we talk to Alberta people versus from BC, versus from Ontario, it's different here yeah, too. Yeah, it's-, it's Because it's, there's an oppressive- The sentiment is- That's different. right. Yeah, it, it feels oppressive. Anyways, I think your, your, your point is well-made. Um, we have to reframe what we think about in retirement. Everybody can retire. I'm going to put that out there. You've said this before. Absolutely. Everybody can retire. So it's not a question of, can I retire? There are certain problems we have to solve for, and we use a process to go through and do that, right? Do we have enough to do X, Y, or Z? And if we don't, what are the options? And You know, there's a whole bunch of things that can be done. Um, But it's not a question of, can you retire?
1: It's a question of, how do we need to structure and properly... What kind of lifestyle do you want at retirement? Right. And if you're focused on that lifestyle, then... You need to make sure the numbers work. That's right. If you're flexible with your lifestyle, then anybody can retire.
0: Well, or yeah, or solve for the problem. If there's a gap, there's lots of ways to fill that gap between the lifestyle that I want and the cost and what, what I've got. I right? think
1: I think one part, I, I, I was talking to, to some friends of mine at hockey, and I was saying, I've seen people with $10 million in their portfolio with us that are not happy. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people with five hundred thousand dollars in their portfolio that are extremely happy in yep. retirement. So it's not about how much money you have in your bank account. Yeah, it's about how you measure your happiness in retirement. Yeah, that's so, it.
0: It sounds cliche, but we see it. We see all it the time. all the time, right? All the time. We, we do. Okay, um, we've got to wrap this up, my friend. We've uh, I think we've had a pretty interesting show. We do have another seminar coming up on January the twenty second, but unfortunately, I have to let our listeners know that uh, despite putting on a second session that night. We're fully booked. So we don't have any more room, even on a waiting list. So I apologize for that. Uh, We do have our February and our March seminars already open. Maybe you can bring us up to speed on that. We'll be in
1: Oak Ridge Co-op on February 19th. Crowfoot Co-op. On March 26th, so give us a call 966 8400 966 8400, or go to our website at morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: We started this year, um, uh, Faisal, stating that this was a year that we just wanted to educate. This was a, our focus was on education. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we've had some good segments today. We'll have a lot of good segments this year. We've had some good segments in the past, and I want to invite you if you're interested in learning about any of the aspects to do with retirement lifestyle. This isn't just financial. That we post, or, sorry, we archive all of this. Uh, on our website. You can go to morethanmoneyradio.com to get them, or alternatively, you can have them directly delivered to you. All you have to do is search for More Than Money CHQR on Apple Podcasts, or in your favorite podcast app and we will send it to you on a monthly basis. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR.
2: David Popowitch and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Papawich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.